Welcome back to another evening of Scotch Hour. I'm Noah. And I'm Jesse. This is episode 97, and this uh, episode here, we're uh, closing in on 100. Triple digits almost, <laughs> three, three episodes away. It's getting close. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, so this evening, uh, I believe we have a pretty decent lineup. Uh, we did try to go all budget here um, with... Uh, whether our first starting off with our scotches being the uh, Grange Stone, Moderna Double Maturation uh, Scotch. And from there, we got our get it togethers and shout outs, followed by our restaurant review of Slim Chickens. And then our um, Smarter Challenge being our top three low budget films. All right. Going from 80s and beyond, <laughs> and uh, with a. Uh, Trying to keep with under, I think it's uh, under $10 million in today's money. Scotch review. All right. Well, this week, as you mentioned, it is the Grange Stone single malt scotch double maturation. That first stage is matured in American oak casks traditional. And then the second stage is in the Madeira casks. Um, and the Madeira casks, uh, Madeira wine is wine that is from the islands of Portugal, just off, as we found out, the, the coast of Africa, if you will, which is really weird to think of. But um, it is uh, the Portuguese islands, the Portugal islands, and it is a group of wines that dates back to the 1700s when they used wine to trade and they found out that because of its maturation process uh, on ships in the sea with extreme heat and also contact with oxygen that it actually made it a very unique wine and also a wine that can last decades or centuries, um, decades even after open sometimes, which is just amazing. Yeah, so it follows like the history follows really closely to, uh, to ports. Uh, the way uh, the ports came about is like there was the French-English War that was going on, and then the French, uh, the English wanted to get some wine, but obviously they couldn't get through uh, through France, so they had to go through uh, through Portugal and get Portuguese wine. Uh, the Portuguese wine was like such was so poorly made that by the time they made it over to England, it would spoil. So what would happen is like the captains or the crew is that they would start pouring like uh, I think it was a um, brandy or some kind of like a liqueur into the uh, into the casks. And made the fortified wine. That's how we how you ended up with ports. Something that's interesting about this scotch is it's part of what is the conglomerate you called it? C Oh QSI. QSI. Yeah, it's QSI. Part, of a, <laughs> part of a quality spirits international, uh, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of the largest scotch whiskey company, which we found out to be Grant and Son. That's right, William Grant and Sons. So apparently QSI, which is the subsidiary <laughs> that owns Grangestone through uh, William Branson's son, they're located in Glasgow, established in 1992 to manage their brand and private labels. And uh, William Grant and Sons has uh, been the proud owner of some of the scotches we have really enjoyed, including some of the Balvinis we've had on our show previously. Uh, absolutely delicious. Right, and then QSI, they've uh, also had some uh, scotches that we've tried, which have been the Glenn Fodery, 
uh, when we tried it, uh, when we had cooked some great steaks. Uh, I think uh, you cooked them, and uh, we had Brian on the show. That's right. Uh, we did like a little, I think it was like a little three-pack. And then we also had some like Craig Isles. Yes. Uh, 40% ABV. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to trying this one out. I think with the uh, Madeira, the Madeira casks, I think the only other scotch that possibly uh, I've tried that has one of those finishes, the seven wood, you know, those sorts of finishes that they've really gone out of their way to mature and age and flavor the scotch in so many different types of wood. Well, being that Moderna has a, like a little bit of like a sweeter fortified wine, I'd imagine there's going to be some like nice like uh, nutty notes with uh, like sweetness to it. Yeah, got going to have a little bit of that sherry flavor most likely. That, that's what I'm anticipating. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, anything else you want to say about Grainstone before we jump in? I, I don't think so. All right. I mean, I, there wasn't a whole lot to find about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we really had to dig to find the ties between QSI and William Grant's and Sons. Uh, William Grant and Sons. And that is uh, interesting. They've definitely gone out of their way to hide some of those ties, whether it be with Total Wine or whoever ultimately is uh, connecting these two dots. The canister... Handsome, textured. I do love the texture on the canister. The bottle. It's one of those short, stout bottles, but I'm loving it. Yeah, the packaging looks pretty nice. Um, even the labeling with the color with the color uh, format that they use with the kind of like a, a, a like a lighter matte, matted blue uh, with the black and the gold there just kind of makes it really easy and pleasant to the eyes, and it's designed fairly well. Absolutely. Well, let's rip this foil and see what we can taste. All right. Normally, we like to have a wooden top here, uh, but we've noticed that some of the higher ends are starting <laughs> to go with some plastic tops, so real cork is always a plus. <laughs> All right. All right, plastic, it looks like. I think it's wood. Is it? It's either If it's plastic, they textured. They've got a wood grain in it. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Wood. From here, and the way the light was shining off, it look, almost looked like it was plastic. Yes. Oh, it Definitely is. looks like real cork. It, it's, uh, it's got some pros here. It's got some positives. Got nice coloring. All right, off to our warp speed and cheers. Cheers. Double maturation grainstone uh, from the Madeira casks. Uh, it is a interesting bottle. Uh, that's what I'll start off by saying about this particular uh, bottle here. It was uh, approximately right around somewhere between the thirty-four and thirty-nine dollar range uh, at total wine. Uh, you said the ABV is at forty percent. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
when I first look at the coloring, and I would love to my glass, but it doesn't really have a whole lot left in there. <laughs> um, but I would say it's somewhere between, I put a uh, light to medium goldish color. And um, and the bottle looks a lot darker. And we have a little bit more of a glass like Jesse had shown on his, um, when he put it up. It looks darker compared to my like little bit that I have left, <laughs> which looks like it's really light in color. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, uh, this this particular scotch was really hard for me to pinpoint. Not a whole lot of information out there either for me to kind of go off of. But um, when we first opened it up, uh, I originally got caramel, vanilla, and some malt. However, as it kind of continued to introduce itself to us, um, I've now settled on more of a green floral scent with hints of caramel and vanilla. I mean, that's probably about as close as I can get to pinpointing what what it smells like to me uh, because it keeps changing, and, I'm, and, there's, and there's something in there that I can't really pinpoint, but that's probably about as close as I'm going to get uh, as of right now. Uh, when it hits my palate, I'm getting a sweet biscuit with vanilla, oak, and dried fruit. Um... You know how when you get like the, like those sweet milk biscuits or something like that, like the sweet biscuit kind of taste? That's kind of like what I'm getting here on this one. Uh, and then my finish, it's uh, it's it's mellow, but it has like a little, like a slight maltiness with a lingering bitter sweetness uh, to it. And I don't really know how, and uh, oh, sorry, in that, uh, and also in that uh, finish there, I do get a little bit of uh, malt. And uh, it is a uh, that bittersweetness that you get from there. I'm not really sure. It's almost kind of like a bittersweetness I I would get from like a uh, like a bittersweet cocoa that's like close to like 98 percent or not maybe 98 but like 89 90 percent uh, uh, cocoa uh, dark chocolate where you get that kind of like it's a it's like a bittersweet um, and it's not really something like I think a lot of people would enjoy. Um, but I do like the bittersweetness. Um, I'm not really sure about. I, I, I would take it to a poker game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the reason why I take it to a poker game because if you're playing poker and you're smoking cigars, I don't think <laughs> the guys are really going to care like what they're drinking. Um, I'm not really sure if I would take this to like uh like a nice. Uh, event or black definitely take it. I definitely would not take it to a black tire, a uh, black tie affair or event. Um, I would definitely share it with people, but I probably wouldn't share it with the beginning scotch drinker. Uh, because I, I wouldn't want if I, if, if I was going to share a scotch with someone who doesn't really drink scotch and they're like a beginner, uh, I don't think this is a very good introductory scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. It's just I don't I don't think it would appeal to a lot of like new new drinkers. Um, people are a little bit more experienced with, with scotch. I definitely would share it with them. Um, I don't know what else to really say with that with this one here because it continues to open up and continues to like change its characteristics on me. I do like it, but I'm not like in awe of it. Um, what I would I recommend buying it? 
I say if you're a scotch drinker, give it a shot. You may actually love it. Um, or you may be just as dumbfounded about me when it comes to like the smell, the taste, and everything else about it. Um, I definitely would say that if I was going to be cooking with some scotch, I definitely would use it with cooking. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have, but I really I'm at a loss of words for what to say about this particular kind, uh, this particular scotch. And, you know, also I think what gives it a little bit of disservice too is we've come off of like multiple, <laughs> multiple weeks of like drinking like excellent scotches. So maybe that's where I'm struggling a little bit here because like some of those other ones, you could definitely like pick up like a lot of those great characteristics. This one here, I'm having, I'm struggling and maybe, maybe, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I like it, but at the same time, it's not something I would rave about. Well, for me, like I'm gonna start from the top. Color, definitely that light to medium gold. 100% agree with that. The color, um, it does look darker in the bottle. And I think part of that's because they probably did a nice job. If you look at the inside of the labels, they look dark. So they're really reflecting, refracting the light in there, doing a nice job with that thicker bottle as well, uh, making it look more of that caramel flavor, um, caramel color. Uh, I do like the bottle. I do. I really enjoy this canister. <laughs> I love the texture. We get to the scotch and what I can say is the first time I smelled it, I was a little worried because the first smell I got was that smell you get when you've got a handful of old pennies in your hand and you've been carrying them around sweating um, best, you know, you think of it as a kid waiting to go buy your uh, five cent candy bar. Now it's five dollar candy bar inflation. But with that, um, that was the smell was that uh, metallic copper, metallic, dirty copper, metallic smell was the first smell I got. And the first taste I got was very sweet with chocolate and mocha and honey and oak and everything was very distinct. Um, as it sat for, a, a, you know, five minutes or so, things have really changed. Now on the nose, it's totally mellow. I might get a hint of mocha and a little bit of spice in there. But other than that, um, I don't get much off the nose. The palate has opened up to right at the front, just for a second, a hint of orange, followed by sweet, almost like honey roasted nuts. Um, and then it goes... At, like it's doing a U-turn and it goes from these honey roasted nuts to raisin, oak, um, a hint of ginger and cinnamon. Uh, and then the finish just goes dry, like, like a sherry and oak. Um, I kind of dig it, but I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> it is unlike, here's a pro for this. I would love to do this one in a flight. I want to try this now with a cognac finish, a sherry finish, this Madeira finish, um, and then also just something standard like a Ben Riach or a Balvini, just a 12, um, where to your point, like 
we've come off these highs and I don't know that this is bad. I just can't right now say that it's something that I'm going to run out and buy. But at the same time, I would love to try this in a flight. I'm looking forward to trying this next to a couple other scotches to really see what it is that I should be looking for. I cannot say um, I am a Madeira wine connoisseur. I I've had it once in my life that I remember, and it was probably a cheap bottle of it because it was only 30 bucks. I got it total wine. Um, I loved the label, which is why I bought it. <laughs> that label is now framed on the wall of uh, the person who bought me the only other Grainstone I've ever had, which was Marissa. She bought me the 18 year, which was fantastic. I drank it. I loved it. It was a gift from her to me. I finished it. I went to go get more. That was a few years ago. I have not seen that version on Total Wine shelves again. Um, and they keep trying to get us to buy these others. And I've been very hesitant. There's a lot of scotches out there. Um, I've been hesitant knowing that it does appear to be a Total Wine brand. So with that, of course, they're going to push it. But they can't tell me much, if anything, about it. Just like I can't research it here years later after first trying it on the Internet. Um, again, though, um, I think it's fun. I would love to try it in a flight. It's not offensive. It's easy drinking. I agree with you. This is not a first time scotch drinkers scotch though, because this doesn't have um, some of those more traditional flavors we have had in some of those great scotches. Um, so this is definitely a variant. It's, you know, it's like going from vodka to fireball or something <laughs> without the spice. So it is fun. Would I take it to a poker night? Um, yeah, I would. It, uh, it would be an interesting topic to speak about during the game. I would not be afraid of ruining the flavor with a cigar. Who knows? It might even bring it out. We did try adding a little bit of H2O to our scotch as we were tasting it, Noah and I both, and it did seem to bring out more of um, the notes in the nose at the beginning and then also a little bit more in the palate. Um, if I'm trying to wow somebody, this is not the scotch I'm bringing. This is not the black tie event scotch. Um, it's, it, it is definitely fun though. So, um, Grainstone did a nice job with this variety and I look forward again to doing it in a flight and really seeing how it truly compares to what I was more, I guess what I was expecting. Yeah. Give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> you go boy. <laughs> More power to you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say because, like, it's not like I don't like it, but it's not like I, I would rave about it either. It's somewhere in the middle. See, and now as I'm sipping it here, I'm getting orange and cinnamon at the front. And that was that sip right there was fantastic. <laughs> it's just so, it's like back and forth. It's like, you know, it's like some of the movies I think we're going to rave about in uh, our Smarter Challenge here. It's, it's a surprise for sure. <laughs> It's time for our shout-outs. All right, do you have any shout-outs for this oh, week? Yes, I've got... Uh, I'm just going to do one shout-out for this week, and that is to Aiden and his uh, 
junior varsity basketball team for Cherokee Trail. Um, won their three games in a row this past week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday nights, won all three games. Awesome job, Aiden. Um, really, you guys have worked hard, and Aiden, you in particular, I know have worked really hard um, getting back healthy after having the flu. So um, cheers to you for rebounding and then literally rebounding. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it makes me happy that you still love this sport. All right. Well, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, some family members. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Michelle, Shree, and Sean. They put together a pretty good dinner on Saturday evening. Uh, they made some of this uh, bison roast with uh, uh, this asparagus dish and some homemade uh, cream corn. And um, it was pretty good. It was a pretty good dinner. So I just want to give them, I want to say thanks, give them a shout out for doing a great job there. And then uh, some of my other cousins uh, are out uh, in southern Colorado taking care of my uncle, so I'll give them a shout-out as well. All right. What have you got for get-it-togethers? <laughs> get-it-togethers. <laughs> well, um, really I have no get-it-togethers at this point. Um, if The one I did have has already been kind of resolved anyways. It would have had to do with the Republican Party and oh, choosing the uh, Speaker of the House. There you go. But I was more on the side of the uh, 20 that were holding out for uh, the rules uh, to enforce the uh, Speaker of the House to um, hold up to their end of the bargain of, like, uh, making sure that they vote upon, like, the southern border and and giving time for them to, uh, like, read the bills and stuff like that. But since they've already figured it out, um, I really don't have a get-it-together. All right. Well, my get it together goes to, uh, it's actually going to go to Biden this week for just now finally <laughs> visiting the border after we've had a border crisis and he's been president for years at this point. Um, you don't even need to go anymore. <laughs> Like, Did you hear what they're doing, though, in El Paso? I have not, but it's it just all ridiculous. They cleaned it up. <laughs> <laughs> so that you would go. Yeah, so they there's already reports coming out with pictures showing, like, how they're, like, getting rid of the, like, the uh, illegal immigrants, and uh, they're cleaning up the area, so uh, at least the area that he's supposed to be attending, so that way it doesn't even look like there's a problem going on. Uh, again, it's just, um, yeah, I just... Get it together. I, I don't. Why are you chasing this now? It's just, it's, it's silly to me. So yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm not going to drown on that. I'm just going to, everyone else who knows, it doesn't matter what side you're on anymore. It's too late. Like you had two years. Uh, that's a good get it together. This evening, we went to uh, Slim Chickens. Um, I wanted to keep with our kind of uh, budget or our theme of like low budget. Um, I'm not really sure how low budget this ended up being. At least it was kind of low budget for me. Uh, one of the nice things about going to Slim Chickens was that uh, it is more of a like fast food chicken uh, place. So we didn't have to pay tips. So, you know, anymore. But this is also kind of becoming a thing now is when you go to like a fast food restaurant, they'll have you like tip the, uh, tip the cashier and they didn't do anything really other than take your order and hand you the bag. Agreed. So, so that was one thing I did like I hear about some chickens that they didn't even have that option for you to tip them. So I thought that was great. I did like that. Um, 
it is a new place right off of Parker Road, and I'm not even sure what the turnoff would be, but it's pretty much Pine and Parker Road. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think one of the things that interests me about the place is that it did have like a like a crow's head, I guess. But it kind of reminded me of like the like the masks that uh, you saw back in the uh, I don't know in the was it Victorian era or maybe the medieval era uh, era where the doctors had like those long beak masks and stuff. So it kind of reminded me of that. And so I uh, seeing like their little crow or whatever they have right there. Eyes wide shut. <laughs> right. Uh, and then um, I guess they're like from the South, I guess that's where they're originally located from or uh, they do serve uh you know, Texas toast with their meals. And I ended up getting the uh, five piece uh, chicken finger with fries and the Texas toast. Um, and then you get a uh, choice of two different sauces. I went with the spicy chili and the spicy barbecue. Um, I really like the spicy barbecue, the uh, spicy or the sweet chili. That one was uh, interesting. Um, it was, it definitely was sweet and it definitely was spicy. Uh, but I'm not sure that's something I would really want on my chicken, uh, going forward. Um, for me, my, my price was like roughly like 13 and change. Um, and also I got a free brownie for filling out the, uh, <laughs> for filling out the survey, which does say you're supposed to get it when you come back, but they're kind enough to give to me uh, today. So I'll give them a shout out for that as well. Um, the place was pretty clean, um, but it was kind of empty, but the parking lot was way full for uh, some odd reason. <laughs> <laughs> and I, they do have like a patio area uh, that I think would be kind of nice during the summertime to eat there outside and stuff like that. Um, as a fast food place, I'm going to give it like a, like an 8.5. I thought, you know, the, the service was pretty friendly. Our, our food came out pretty quick, and it was it was hot, and my meal was done correctly, so I had no issues about that. But apparently, some lady did. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, came in while we were eating there, uh, but um, yeah, like it was a clean. The restaurant looked fairly clean on the inside. Uh, the food came out fresh and hot, and the uh, the staff was pretty friendly. So I have no qualms with the place. I definitely would go back there for a fast foodie place. Yeah, for me, I enjoyed it as well. Driving up, I was I was like, "Whoa, this parking lot is packed!" And then we go inside, and we're like one of three groups of people in there. So, um, definitely something else going on with that parking lot. Um, from the outside and the inside, I agree. Uh, for something, a place I would consider fast food, definitely neat, clean. Uh, they addressed us and greeted us right away. Um, so fast, actually, that I wasn't even sure what I wanted. But um, a quick decision later, I did get the buffalo chicken tender mac and cheese, uh, which did not come with any sides for me. It was a fairly good portion. I also got um, a side of fries because they just sounded delicious and they ended up being really good too. And then a strawberry shake. Uh, much like yourself, 
as soon as we sat down, the food was maybe three minutes in. Uh, they brought the food to us. I love the fact that I agree. They didn't ask for a tip on their machines. Um, I, I learned that the hard way that time we went to Bojo's and I tipped that phone. I'm like, this guy, all he did was call our name and have us come pick up our pizza at the counter. I just gave the guy a $6 tip for that. What the hell? I need that job. Um, so with that, though, they brought out the food. Uh, my mac and cheese was excellent it was great uh, just enough of that buffalo chicken flavor on there with the the chicken tender cut up well and scallions really brought out the flavors and added to the whole dish the fries were fried very well also and i would have liked just a little bit more salt but it was all great and the the shake i do have to Thank them for a great shake. That strawberry shake was well done. Fresh strawberries in it. Uh, so for me, like my food was a nine. The atmosphere for a fast food restaurant. The only thing I didn't like is it was cold in there. I felt cold in the sweater. Um, but other than that, I agree. Everything was good. So for fast food, neat, clean, and um, well kept. It's also getting a nine overall value mine was a little bit more expensive because i got the shake had i just gotten a soda or something been a few dollars less but 18 dollars for that bowl of mac and cheese the side of fries and the shake i thought the value was excellent as well um so definitely an eight on the the value side overall uh, i'm giving this for a fast food restaurant my first time being there so my my chain you know my uh, expectations might change but um it's an eight and three quarters it's it's uh it's a nine so for me for a fast food restaurant we're rounding up we're giving it a nine well done uh, slim chickens all right if you do happen to go to slim chickens there off of uh, parker and pine let them know that you did hear from about them from us here on uh scotch hour once again you probably won't get a discount <laughs> they have no idea who we are uh, but it does help get our name out and we do greatly appreciate that um and also would i go there with a friend yeah quick easy oh, good yeah. food would i take a date there I, I wouldn't not take a date there it's just not sexy yeah I, I guess i forgot to mention that as well um but i meet friends there yeah and actually they have like tvs there to where you can watch a football game in fact they had the uh the pre-show on for the uh, national championship game. Um, would I take a first date there? Probably not. Um, <laughs> now, if I was in, like in high school or something, um, may, then I could see maybe doing something like that. Uh, just because, you know, like sometimes high school kids don't really go to like super nice places, but, um, but definitely I would meet some friends there. This week's Smart Challenge was for us to choose our top three low-budget films uh, from starting as, uh, I guess, our, 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 our uh, hard line was uh, 1980s uh, to now, and the uh, money, uh, the amount of money to have been spent would be uh, $10 million in today's money. Which is a little bit hard because there's some movies out there where it would fit underneath the ten million, but when you adjust for inflation, it does kind of cross over. So it doesn't. It's not like a total hard line on the ten million, but uh, that was kind of like our goal. 
All right, I guess I'll start off with my number three. Yeah, if you want to, let's hear your number three. All right, so my number three, uh, this uh, this particular movie I found to be uh, very interesting. It came in at a time in the early 2000s. Um, I actually picked one movie from each decade, one from the 80s, one from the 90s, and one from the 2000s. Nice. Uh, this one came out in the early 2000s, and I think it kind of came out in a time where um, – the uh, horror genre needed uh, needed a boost, and I really love the concept that they use in this movie here, which was that uh, a person felt slighted by how they were treated by like the insurance companies or uh, or or something that you know happened bad to them, and so he basically gave people he locked these people up and gave them options of how to escape. Uh, and a lot of times, uh, the people, you know, if they didn't die through the contraptions, uh, they ended up like losing a, a limb or a body part or something like that, uh, in order to, uh, make up, uh, make amends for the evils that they've done. Uh, so the movie I'm talking about is Saw. <laughs> uh, I thought the first movie, the way it was done, it was pretty good, but uh, what really, kind of like uh drove this pick drive this pick here for me is that it did create a whole franchise and a franchise that actually grew and became better and better and the storyline got uh, a little bit more in depth and all can kind of continue together from the first one and it had a budget of 1.2 million in 2004 uh which that does equate to 1.9 million to end today and the franchise is worth over a billion dollars at this point um, so I thought, uh, they did a fairly good job. Um, I don't remember who the original director was. Um, so I can't really state on whether or not he's progressed much past all the Saw movies, um, or what else they did. And, uh, they did actually get some like better quality actors later on in some of the other, uh, in some of the other movies. But, uh, th this is my number three. All right. I, I, Love this smarter challenge because uh, for me, it really made me look at some of the different movies, low budget, what it has done, um, whether or not I cared for them, what was the big deal. And I think it's easy to find some great low budget films because they were low budget. So they really stand out um, with that, you know, again, the, the budget cap, so to speak, if we've all got one, even the NFL has one, right? <laughs> uh, with this, it makes it more interesting. So before I jump into my my number three, I'm just going to throw out two quick shout outs out there. Um, runners up, if you will. One of them excluded because of the year 1976, Rocky, um, made for 960000 oh, Who doesn't love Rocky, That's man? Just it. And, you know, Creed three is getting ready to come out. Um, so this is something that is now going on. It's it's going after 50 years <laughs> that is awesome and it's a movie that i loved and watched with my parents as a kid and that my kids watch with me creed rocky all of these movies um great and uh the other one i have to mention just because i think it really challenged different aspects um of 
cinema was Juno. Um, so 2006, I believe it was Juno. And, you know, it's not necessarily a movie I really got into, but the, the controversial topic, I think, and then just phenomenal acting. Um, it's not a movie I want to watch over and over and over again. Um, watching it once was enough type of movie, but it stuck with me. So I think those are great. So for me, my number three is right on the cutoff. Uh, interestingly enough, it also has some things similar with yours in that it is part of a horror movie genre um, franchise. And mine was Friday the 13th, 1980 for $550,000. Uh, these movies are still going on every time. This past year, Jason's finally dead. Friday the 13th, 10 or whatever it is. I don't even know. Don't even try keeping count. But it's great. And I remember Jason versus Freddy. Yeah, it's, it's nonstop. Uh, so this was uh, directed by Sean S. Cunningham, um, and uh, man, I just I don't I I think it's one of those movies where it's got the age old tale of it's a bunch of kids and it all people start dying as soon as one group of them decides they're going to run off and try to have sex or play around or do something, and then it just goes on and on and on. So um, game over for them, but a lot of fun and to to a ridiculous point where now it's kind of funny. <laughs> and you know they have a video game out right now of it. Uh, it's actually like a few years old. Uh, but yeah, you could you could be Jason going around killing people like some pretty cool death scenes there. So I, that is a good one. I loved uh, Friday the Thirteenth. It was great, and you know that kind of just reminds me of some of those like old great eighties horrors where. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of great eighties horror films, and even like seventy nine, I think, is when. But they had like a lot of nudity in them back oh, then. Man, they were better movies. <laughs> <laughs> they were <laughs> and a lot more gore too. You know, oh, I think yeah. that was like during like the height of like the slasher movies, right? Yes, for sure. All right, um, my number two is Clerks. All right, came out in nineteen ninety four uh, with a budget of twenty seven thousand five hundred seventy five dollars. And in today's money, it would equate to $55,393. So, <laughs> so talk about low budget right here. This movie uh, was done by Kevin Smith. And uh, Kevin Smith, I was reading an article about, like, uh, about him and how he uh, came up with the clerks. He was actually uh, uh, working at a Domino's Pizza. And he quit his job to go see Batman. <laughs> And he had bounced around from like job to job, and he's been like he's like a big, huge comic book fan. Yes, and so he was working at the Quickie Mart or whatever the place is called, like the convenience store in Clerks. He was he actually worked there, <laughs> and he got permission to film there. But the deal was that he could only film there after the place closed down. So all the filming happened at nighttime. And what he ended up doing to fund this, because he figured he needed about like about twenty thousand dollars to film uh, this this movie, was he ended up getting like ten credit cards that each had two thousand dollar balances, maxed them all out, and then he was able to raise the other seven thousand from friends and family and stuff like that. And uh, he didn't know how to. He wasn't. He never directed anything before. This was his first movie, uh, and so it was basically a make it or break it for him. And he totally made it. 
I, I think to me it's like it's a great movie. It's done in black and white. And if you ever worked in retail, <laughs> it is a hilarious movie. I mean, some of the things that they like the conversations in there are great. That uh, you and I were quoting it uh, last episode. You know, like uh, uh, <laughs> where the guy's girlfriend comes in and she Try talks about <laughs> on your way out, <laughs> where, where she had done so many blowjobs. I forget how what the number was, but he's like. Hey, am I number like twenty seven or twenty six or whatever it was? And and he's like, well, on the way out to the parking lot, don't suck any dicks. <laughs> try not to. <laughs> yeah, try not to suck any dicks. <laughs> and then, and he got like Jay and Silent Bob. Um, uh, <laughs> Fifteen dollars, little, little man. man. Put that shit <laughs> in my hand. That money doesn't show. Then Obi Obi O Obi. Uh, and then you know, yeah, like it just had some like really great scenes of like, of like the guy next, the guy who uh, was uh, the video store clerk, and then the convenience store clerk, and then like them playing hockey on top of the roof, which would be something that you totally would check. You probably would totally see like in New Jersey or New York or whatever like that, which I think they were in New Jersey, right? And um, you know, because hockey is like a much bigger sport out there than uh, maybe here. Definitely during like you know when that movie came out. Hockey wasn't that big here in Colorado. Uh, but, yeah, it was a hilarious movie. It did make a – they made a whole uh, uh, franchise of movies that tied in together with Clerks because then you had, like, Jay and Silent Bob, Strike Back. Uh, you have Clerks 2. Um, you have Chasing Amy uh, and, and Mall Rats. They all kind of – Mall Rats <laughs> has to be my favorite of that stream, honestly. <laughs> And they're all interconnected because, like, all the characters connect somehow uh, to uh, Clerks. And uh, it was a really – I think he did a really great job, and uh, it really uh, catapulted his career. I 100% agree. I love all of those movies. Um, even though most people are just offended by some of them, Jay and Silent Bob strike back. Again, hilarious. How do you not like that? And Kevin Smith puts his wife in there, you know? So <laughs> well done. So uh, Was Mallrats the one where he's pretending like he has a force? And, uh, and like We're the kid. Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Some kid knocks it and it's flooring the VHS tape flies into his hand. He's like, damn, you got that Jedi shit. <laughs> <laughs> the way like Jay and Simon Bob work together it was awesome. It, it is. And uh, yeah, man, Jay's got some real life issues, though. That The real man, not <laughs> just the character. <laughs> but uh, yeah, great movie. Great movie. For my number two, Reservoir Dogs. I had, I had to go with this one. 1992, um, we're going to estimate the cost to $1.2 million, directed by Quentin Tarantino, um, starring some of the greats. Um, and I mean that some of the names that came out of this film, and honestly, Harvey Keitel had already made it. My understanding is Quentin Tarantino actually borrowed money from Harvey Keitel, and Ky Harvey Keitel bankrolled part of this and then became even more wealthy. But you got Chris Penn, Tim Roth, Steve Buscemi, um, and uh, Michael Madsen all in this movie. And it was, uh, it was real. It's another cult classic, just like Rocky or Friday the 13th or Clerks. Um, any of these movies, cult classics at this point. Uh, and I really just loved how not only did it springboard Quentin Tarantino's 
career, but it also brought in a whole different line of movies and which direction they could go to. And honestly, my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie is probably Kill Bill, um, although he's had so many great. So uh, Reservoir Dogs does ring in my number two. Roads of War Dogs is actually great with how they did a whole, like, and, and here's the great thing about Quentin Tarantino and his movies. It's all about the conversation. Just, and I think that's a lot what I liked about Clerks, too. It, it all has to do with the conversation. So there's a big, huge correlation between those two movies, and it's all about, like, that character development and the interaction between the characters and stuff like that. And one of the best parts of that movie of Reservoir Dogs is uh, when what's his name is dancing and cutting off the ear uh, with the song uh, Michael Madsen. Yeah, uh, the Joker's to the left and Joker's to the right. Yep. Uh, that movie was uh, that movie. Or that's Back it. in the middle again. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the other good thing about like, about his movie uh, about that movie is like the music that went along, along with it, that musical score. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so Quentin Tarantino, he made some. He's made some really great movies. Uh, you know, with Pulp Fiction, we talked about that one a few, you know, a couple times. Uh, yeah, that that definitely launched his career too. Well, and to think about it, Reservoir Dogs, I still enjoy watching that now. And I don't watch that movie thinking this was anybody's first movie, and it was Quentin Tarantino's first movie. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Pulp Fiction followed just a few years later. With Vince Vega. Vince Vega. Vega. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think uh, our number one might be a consensus here. I'm not really positive if your number one matches my number one. But if it does, uh, my number one is Evil Dead. I have to say... My number one was also Evil Dead, especially <laughs> after just rewatching it. <laughs> <laughs> so with Evil Dead, uh, this was uh, directed by uh, Sam Ra- Raimi. I think that's how you say his last name. Uh, it definitely did catapult his career. Um, he did stuff like uh, Spider-Man and um, he did actually quite a few Spider-Man movies. He did the first three, I believe, the big ones. Yes. And then uh, what else did he do? Oh, you did uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse? Yes, which I really enjoyed. So did I. And, you know, the one thing that he does do in all of his movies, everything he directs, is he owns, like, the original, his first car that he ever owned uh, makes an appearance in all of his movies. Oh, I did not know that. Yes. Uh, so, like, that is the car that the Ash. The Cadillac. <laughs> yeah, that Ash drives uh, to, the, to the. Is it a Cadillac or is it a Lincoln? It's a big-ass car, whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> it is a big-ass car. Uh, so anyways, that car, so any movie that he directs, you, you, want, you want to look for that car. Um, yes. But uh, here, like, The Evil Dead, first of all, is definitely a cult classic. It was made for only $350,000 in 1981. Yep. Um, and that does equate to $1.1 million today's dollars. Pocket change, man. Yeah. Let's go make some money. <laughs> And so the first movie is really great, but you can tell it was low budget. Um, and the way he, he does some of the cinematic uh, tricks and stuff that he does with it was such a low budget <laughs> is actually great. Like how he like goes through and acts like like uh, you're the uh, the the point of view of the spirit or whatever going through the through the uh, forest or whatever hunting down people, and then like the gore. 
Um, and that's what the first movie is all about was like some of that, the gore that happens. And it really did set up a whole fran- franchise of things too, because then you got from there, you got Evil Dead 2, which was a requel, which is basically a, yes. it's a sequel, <laughs> but yet it's a remake. Um, and really, I think the uh, <laughs> Evil Dead 2 is basically where the series really does kind of take off because from there, it, it plays a little bit better going into uh, the Army of Darkness. And then you have Ash versus the Evil Dead. And I think there's a video game out with that. And there's also a new, well, I guess it's not really new. It came out probably like three, four years ago, maybe. Uh, another Evil Dead where Ash uh, appears at the end because it's a new group of friends that go up to the cabin and stuff like that. And uh, he goes and uh, kind of like meets up with the with the survivor at the end of that movie. Spoiler alert. <laughs> if you have not seen that. Uh, any case, um, here I thought this was a fun movie. It was uh, part of the horror genre slasher, but a little bit more gory. And it was just a fun ride. And really, uh, is it... Uh, Bruce Campbell, is that his name? No. Yes, yes, okay, Bruce, Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. His, I, I don't think you could find a better actor to do Ash, especially when you get into like uh, um, Ash versus the Evil Dead or Army of Darkness because in those two movies, <laughs> he is just hilarious. Uh, the way he plays, uh, he plays the character Ash, and he, he does a great job uh, even in the uh, Evil Dead 2. Uh, in the original Evil Dead... Uh, the first one here, the one that started it all off. He uh, he's a little bit of a pansy. Oh, he's a big pansy. <laughs> he he's more like he's more concerned about the, the women as opposed to like uh, surviving. Yeah, because uh, like when you see him in this first movie versus Army of Darkness, where he's like, "Give me some sugar, baby." <laughs> any if any of you medieval fucks, <laughs> this is my boomstick. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah it's just a really fun movie um i enjoy it a lot and it's very entertaining it's something that i could watch all the time um i don't know what was your opinion i, on that? I agree it's a lot of fun and it was again it was fun to rewatch it because the budget definitely comes through in things like the makeup where it's terrible <laughs> oh, but yeah. that's part of what makes it great now exactly. that's part of what makes it a cult classic and then when he's smashing the hands in all the different doors of all the possessed people like you can it straight up looks like it's five bratwurst tied together <laughs> it was literally like am i hungry or less hungry for bratwurst after <laughs> watching him slam those sausages in that door and i'm like actually i kind of feel like a bratwurst let's get some mustard <laughs> Uh, the the uh, the cinematography aspect you mentioned when he's the spirit or the evil and he's coming at the main characters, fantastic. The other piece is also fantastic. The low budget, amazing. It also opened the door for, as you mentioned, Evil Dead 2, um, the uh, remake or sequel or requill, and then Army of Darkness. And you see this transformation of Bruce Campbell's character from the first movie through the series and now they've got and i don't believe bruce campbell's in it but they've got a new movie coming out in the next year evil dead rise where two moms are trying to figure out how to keep their kids safe from the deadites so it's it's still going on it's (laughs) it's not over yet hopefully bruce campbell can make some sort of little appearance in this one i'm definitely going to be looking for uh the director's car now moving forward that's a fun fact that's kind of like uh hitchcock or 
or so many other directors who have their own signature pieces. And I really appreciate when somebody puts a unique signature on it. Um, definitely would make them a terrible serial killer because of all the trophies or <laughs> right. pieces they would need to keep. But it might make them great at doing movies about killers and things like that. Um, yeah, absolutely my first one. And I agree. Army of Darkness is hilarious. We talked about it a little bit earlier when we were talking about some of these low-budget movies and how uh, Bruce Campbell's character, Ash, goes from a total pansy in the first one, like a weakling, to this guy at the end who's... And, and we, we're going to use this, this term, douchebag. <laughs> He is an alcoholic, dirty old man who doesn't, like, who's not affected anymore. He's like, more deadites, great. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going around. Um, it's not that he doesn't care about people. At the end of the series, Ash versus the Evil Dead finds out he has a daughter. Um, so he has, there's, there's different pieces going on, but it's definitely a transformation, which I think is actually very real, um, probably very true to how that character would age through the process. Um, I think when I look at all of these movies we've talked about, though, the one that has to really steal the show, even though it was neither of our firsts, it was definitely in my top 10 um, in your top three clerks. I mean, you can't make a movie for that, but this oh, was yeah. a guy who put it all out there. Kevin Smith, good for him, lived a dream, risked everything. Like, honestly, if you think about it, he risked everything, um, but ended up doing something great for himself and and for us yeah i mean he made <laughs> like if you do like uh more of like uh character based and conversational based movies you know quentin tarantino and uh and kevin smith did great jobs with uh doing that type of movie and you know it's kind of funny like there was like that short time frame where those like were like some great movies that came out but now you don't really see that as much anymore no, and uh, man, the day of the low budget film may be dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, truly, it, it may be. Or who knows, though? Because um, another, you know, honorable mention in that field is, and I didn't like the movie at all, but a lot of people loved it. The Blair Witch Project, made for next to nothing, too. Yeah, the Blair Witch Project. I mean, now when I rewatch it, I don't think it's as good as it was. But when I first saw it. Um, there was nothing out that talked about how it was all fake. Like it was like everything that came out, like all the press releases, all the, like the, the website and all that stuff. Uh, it was all talking about like how it was like a true story and all that stuff like that. So like when me and my fraternity brothers, uh, we have like one fraternity brother actually worked, was the manager of a, of a movie theater. So we got a free screening of it way late at night, right before it came out for like the public. And, uh, it was like one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. And I thought it was totally awesome. But then after like the, after the, you know, the big reveal that was all fake and all that stuff, then it was like, eh, that movie was kind of like, kind of psyched. But I'm glad that like I saw it when I saw it because they added more like, uh, scared to it, you know, made it more authentic and awesome. Um, a couple other ones that I, I think we should kind of give honorable mentions to is lost in translation. Yes. Um, with um, Bill Murray, Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson, that was made by Sofia Coppola for four million dollars, which is equivalent to six point four million dollars today. Um, here, another uh, lot with uh, character development, and um, I thought it was a great. I thought they both actors did a great job in that movie, 
And then the other one I would like to mention here is Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> there is a lot of people who love Napoleon Dynamite. I'm one of them. Vote for Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> and when I first saw that movie, I hated it. I had no idea why people love that movie so much. But all too. my friends, all my friends love that movie. And every time I'd hang out like with some friends and they'd have a movie on, um, they would always be the, they would always watch that movie and they're always quoting it. I'm like, you guys, this movie sucks. Like, why do you guys like this movie? But after watching it over and over and over again, now I have a love for the movie and it is it's such a bad movie that it's a great movie at this point for me. It's funny to hear you say that you hated the first time you watched it because I did too. I remember I went and visited my parents and my sisters and mom were watching it and they're like, you got to see this movie. And I'm watching it because I've got to see this movie and it's my family. And the whole time I'm like, what the am I watching? What is this? What is this? What is going on? Like, why did he just run away from this girl? Did he really just smash his tots in his pocket? Not that him. <laughs> like what is going on and nowadays it's all hilarious want to talk and now he's dancing in those moon boots Dude, and stuff. again yeah at the end i'm like why are people laughing at this and now i watch it and i'm dying because i think for me i want to be that free i want to be that free that where i can i can't dance but yeah. i can go <laughs> pretend to dance in moon boots up on a stage in front of the whole school and Uncle Rico. <laughs> oh, my God. And then how about the grandma who goes off to Mexico and is doing cocaine and sleeping with people and stuff, dude? Or his brother who marries a big black woman. Oh. <laughs> that is a win. They, like, ride away on the unicorn at the end. <laughs> Again, now it's hilarious. The first time I'm watching it, I'm like... None of this is politically correct. I don't understand what's going on. What's wrong with this girl trying to sell bracelets? Like, really? Uh, one of the funny parts about this movie, which has nothing to do with the movie whatsoever, is that one of my old roommates in uh, in uh, Salt Lake, he's actually like right from that, either from that town or right next to that town that they, uh, I think it's Preston, Idaho or something like that. He's like right, he's like right from that area. So I thought that was pretty hilarious too. But uh, any case, that movie, got a llama. <laughs> <laughs> that movie was uh, done in uh, uh, 2004 for $400,000 and then in today's money be uh, $630,000. So 40000 at six hundred thirty. Uh, it was a funny movie, uh, but like I said, it, it actually took me like probably at least three, four times before I started to like it, and now I can kind of quote it a little bit. Not nothing like how some of my friends used to quote it, though. No, but yeah, that movie when I first saw it, I hated it. I did too. I'm like, why is this? What is up with this wrestler guy? <laughs> <laughs> and then why are they making fun of his muscle-bound wrestler girlfriend? <laughs> And then here's a couple uh, honorable mentions that um, because of inflation doesn't really fit our uh, our criteria, but we should we should give them some uh, some props anyways. The Terminator, uh. 1980, uh, 1984, made for six point four million. Today's money is it'd be approximately eighteen million, but back then, uh, you know, it, it was a. Uh, I think that was 
definitely a mover and a shaker. One of my favorite movies. If it had not been for the inflation calculator, it would have probably ousted one of these other in my top three. Oh, because definitely. it is fantastic. Albebach. I remember the first time I saw it, it scared me because everyone's like, this is never going to happen. And I'm like, Skynet is totally possible. <laughs> Even as a kid, like now we're facing it. Oh yeah, um, and, and it's, everyone was like, "Oh yeah, well, how about- crazy is it to think that they that the computers get smart and they realize humans are the problem?" And it's like, yeah. If you don't think artificial intelligence has figured out that humans are the problem, there's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> right? You're the problem. <laughs> well, there's supposedly that in Japan, uh, there's a robotics company uh, that had like robots who killed like was it like like I think it was like thirty humans or yeah. something. Yeah, uh, yeah. there's like three robots. One, they got one robot shut off. Another robot like got disconnected and learned how to reconnect itself again and kill like a bunch of humans. Yeah, it's RoboCop all over again. Like (laughs) before, I mean, after the RoboCop movie came out, again another movie where people didn't think that it was ever going to be possible. Now there are literally two hundred and eighty thousand dollar robot cops out there that people are freaking out about because they're like, "There's a better way to spend our money than give a robot cop two hundred eighty thousand dollars." It's like, but is there? But is there? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't trust robot cops. I can tell you that much. I, it's not about the trust. How much did it cost our government to put away a police officer, whether justified or not, for accidentally killing another human being? How many millions just for the trial? How many millions just for settlements? How many, You're not getting any of that from a robot cop. <laughs> they're just turning it off. At least that's what they're saying. <laughs> Might be the best investment ever. Oh, you're offended by the robot cop? Okay, we'll get a new one. (laughs) We'll just reprogram it. Exactly. Look, microchip number one out, microchip number two in. My name is George. (laughs) (laughs) Probably has all the same coding, too. Just a different name. (laughs) He was just a racist robot cop. This one will be okay. (laughs) Like, what? No. He annihilated the threat. Number one rule. If a cop stops you, don't run away. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Anyway, any other honorable mentions you want to give a shout out to? Uh, you know, there's there's a ton of them out there, but I think I'm going to stick with what we've got. Okay. Sounds great. Uh, I think, uh, you know, for those of you who probably, uh, you know, if you, if you made it this far <laughs> and if you haven't seen any of these movies that we've listed, uh, do yourself a favor and check them out. I think you might find some of them uh, fairly entertaining. Uh, the one, actually, I will, I'm going to backtrack. I'm going to throw one out there, which due to inflation, we'd have to do the math. I think it would be close, but Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window, <laughs> done for next to nothing, phenomenal movie. And uh, definitely one of his, one of my favorites from him. Yeah, we'd have to probably crunch those numbers. It's <laughs> an old film. <laughs> All right, so next week, uh, what's our topic and our drink? All right, next week's Smarter Challenge is to explore chat GPT. So this is the artificial intelligence, the supercomputer now um, that is out there where you can ask it a question and within seconds you have answers. And uh, the people who have tested this have been, and I'll send you a link so you can see a quick view on it, ChatGPT. 
GPT have been floored by this computer's ability, this artificial intelligence uh, and its ability to look at different things. Um, one of the first people that got a chance to play with it, they were like, okay, write me a three paragraph letter um, of how, uh, of why I'm breaking up with my girlfriend. And the artificial intelligence was able to research all the databases and learn about this person and learn about the girlfriend and write a to the point spot on letter of why he was breaking up with her. Um, <laughs> and all the robot had was two names and that he wanted to break up. And it's interesting just because it was able to, to figure out, okay, this is your name. This is your proximity. Yeah. There's 50,000 of people with that name on this planet, but you're the only one here. Um, and other people have asked far more, uh, dramatic questions like compare this with that or the Bible to this and tell me what you think. Um, I, I think it's for me, it's like literally the, the, the beginning of something like Skynet, which again, they've been in, it's been in movies since 1984 in the Terminator and before um, artificial intelligence is real and it's real scary. Was well, What was the author? Is it Asimov or something like Isaac this? Asimov? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you write about all that stuff like uh, game before? Yeah. <laughs> like it is coming. It is here. And I'm going to reach over next week. Scotch going back to a, a little bit more of a lineage is the Bowmore 12. Uh, we are going to try this 12 year old Isla single malt Scotch. So we're going to have some fun with this. I think we're both going to be tickled with Pete. <laughs> you mean tickled Pete? <laughs> tickled Pete. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for uh, watching us or listening to us again. Uh, if you watch us on YouTube or Rumble, thank you for doing that. Uh, if you do listen to us on any one of our audio audio platforms, thank you as well. Please like, share, and subscribe uh, to our podcasts. And if you do have any comments, please leave us some comments, um, good or bad. We like to. Uh, see what those are and respond to you. Um, with that, Jesse, do you have anything you want to add? Remember, give us feedback. Life is great. Life is short. So make sure you're enjoying every moment possible of it. Not saying you're not going to have to work hard, but make sure you're enjoying yourself as well. Um, and with that, drink responsibly, drink responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Scotchman! Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully, you have a wonderful evening.